Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Today we're going to talk about He Will. He Will. Look at somebody and say, He Will. Now, today is the seventh day of all. You remember the days of all? We talked about them last week. What are the days of all? Well, the days of all are 10 days between the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement. There are 10 days between those two feasts. And those 10 days are called days of all. We are in day seven right now. Last Sunday was Feast of Trumpets, okay? That's the day that we believe Jesus is coming back to rapture the church on that day. These days are very important because they are on God's calendar. And they have yet to be fulfilled, so they are important. And we are in the seventh day of all. Then Wednesday, the tenth day, will be Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. Okay, very important. We're in a special season. And I asked you last week, some of you, to read the Word of God, to get up in the morning with me. I'm doing it in my house. You do it at your house. This morning I got up again, 6 o'clock, read uh, you know, the, the, the passage that we're reading. We put it on the website. Today was 1 Corinthians 13. And, 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 and today my dedicated prayer was that God would help me to love others as I love myself. And God is going to do that. For this next year, I made a year commitment to the Lord that I'm going to do my best to demonstrate the love of God to my neighbors. I'm going to try to let God love them through me. And uh, I, I believe that he will. For 3,500 years, this day of atonement, for 3,500 years, this feast of trumpets, for 3,500 years, the feast of tabernacles, which will happen on the 23rd next Sunday. For all of these 3,500 years, God has been having people on planet Earth do a dress rehearsal. That's what the feasts are. In fact, the word convocation can mean rehearsal. God wants us to rehearse the coming of the Lord. He wants us to keep it ever fresh in our minds. And so he's chosen a day of the year and told us that's the day it's going to happen. You're not sure, you know, what year it's going to happen, what hour it's going to happen. And it could be on, on, on either day because of the time change. But it's going to happen on that day and the day of atonement, the second coming of Christ. Whenever Jesus comes back on this day of atonement, he will come with his saints to the earth after the great tribulation. He'll do battle with the Antichrist and the forces of evil right there in the valley of Jezreel. God wants us to know what the day will be, what it will be like, how important it's going to be when we partake with him of these feasts in the earth. It's still on his calendar. After that tribulation and after Jesus returns, there will be a thousand-year reign. You can read about all that happens after that in the new heaven, the new earth, in Revelation, the last two chapters. But many of you have joined with me during the last seven days for this special time of personal prayer and Bible reading. I want to thank you for joining with me. Tomorrow we uh, read James chapter 4. 
And uh, let me encourage you to, to, to spend these next three days. If you haven't, go to our website, cotr.com, and look at the next three days Bible reading. James 4 tomorrow, 1 Peter 1, the first, uh, first chapter of 1 Peter on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, the last day, we'll read Revelation chapter 22 together. And as we read it together and, and just open up our hearts to God, then we enter into a personal time of prayer, asking God for the things that we need. I believe with all of my heart that the world needs Jesus. The world is waxing worse and worse every day, day by day. To my knowledge, every prophecy that needs to be fulfilled before the coming of the Lord has been fulfilled. The next thing to happen, uh, as, 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 as I understand eschatology, the next thing that's going to happen on God's calendar is going to be a rapture of the church. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. The world is getting worse. And let me tell you, if you don't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, you need to be busy right now building you a Faraday cage and collecting tribulation food because tribulation is coming. And I am hoping with all of my heart and believing that Jesus is going to save us from the wrath to come. Only Jesus can save us from that wrath to come. I believe that God wants to give you peace. And if you will give your mind to him, he will. Everybody say he will. Now, I believe this with all of my heart, that God wants to give you peace. And if you will give your mind, if you will make your mind full of him, he will give you peace. Even in the midst of all the problems that are going on, you can have peace. And if you don't have peace right now, let me encourage you, turn your mind, turn your thoughts over to him. As well, God wants to give you hope. And if you will turn your situation over to him, he will. Everybody say he will. If you will turn your situation over to him, he will give you hope. You see, God is able to do all things. God is even able to give you hope in the midst of what looks like a hopeless situation. God will give you hope. All things are possible with God. And if you will turn that situation over, I don't know how it happened, but I do know that it will. Hope will begin to be restored and you will begin to feel peace and you will begin to feel hope in your life. As well, God wants to love others through you. And if you will offer your heart to God, he will. He will love others through you. There may be some people in your world or in your life, or maybe you're a person that is just prone not to love people. You know, some people are just sour. Have you ever met a sour person? You ever met somebody that just was not in contact with that emotion, that passion that makes other people seem, people who have it seems like they just love everybody. Have you ever met someone that, that, that just had a hard time loving people or a hard time, this is the kind of love that forgives people and gives them another chance? Have you ever met someone that had a hard time doing that? Let me tell you, if you will give your heart to God, God will begin to stir in you and you will find yourself beginning to love others with a passion and a compassion. You'll find yourself wanting to demonstrate that compassion to others. You see, Jesus came to earth to accomplish two important purposes. Number one, Jesus came to earth to save us from an eternity in hell. Isn't that great? That's wonderful. But he also came to save us from the hell of this life. 
And this world is doing its best to give you hell. This world is doing its best to cause you problems and to, and, and to make you upset and disappoint you and to pull you off into some other road that leads farther away from peace and farther away from hope and farther away from being able to love and enjoy the company of others. This world is doing its best to destroy what God wants to build in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in our businesses, in our jobs. The New Testament book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, in fact, we'll be going there in a moment. The New Testament book of Matthew records Jesus teaching a multitude of people on a hillside on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Many of you, I've taken many, many, I don't know, probably I've taken 200 people or better from our church to Israel. And there we have sat on that same hill on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And we have read Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7, where Jesus was teaching just the common people, the multitude. He was teaching them how to take charge of their life and how to change their life. He wanted to help them to miss the hell of this life. And in order to miss the hell of this life, we have to take charge of our life and we have to do something that's actually going to change our life. And Jesus knew how to teach them to do that. In fact, while Jesus was teaching them out of, uh, out of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in the very middle of his sermon that day, Jesus began to teach his followers how they could use the most powerful tool that God had made available to mankind. He began to teach them how to pray. That's right. Prayer is the most powerful tool that God has given mankind. In fact, it was the most powerful tool that we see used in the life of Jesus. If Jesus needed prayer and used prayer, then evidently we also need it and need to use it. You see, if you follow the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find that Jesus went from the place of prayer to the place of prayer, and in between, he worked miracles. In between, he he taught about the kingdom, but he was coming from a place of prayer every time you see him, and he was going to a place of prayer, and he was just out here in public helping people to take charge of their life and to change their life because he had been with God. Some three years after, Jesus had taught those people on the hillside in the Galilee, Jesus was speaking with his disciples. And he had been praying. And one of his disciples in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, one of his disciples says, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray like that? And Jesus said this, when you pray, say. And then Jesus gave his disciples the very same guidelines that he had given those people on the Mount of Beatitudes three years earlier. It was the same guidelines for leaders as it was for the followers. Jesus gave the exact same words. He told those on the hillside, this is how I want you to pray. This will be an effective way to pray. Pray after this manner. And then he tells 
his disciples three years later, when you pray, say, giving them those very same specific guidelines. This morning, I want us to survey what many people call the Lord's Prayer. I know that you know it. I know that you can repeat it. I know that people all over the world, lost and saved alike, can repeat it. You know, we can repeat a lot of things we've heard. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this uh, continent a new nation. How many of you have heard that? How many of you can probably repeat that? Yeah. But do you know? where it was said, why it was said. Do you understand the implication and what it did at that time? Do you know the impact that those words have on your life today? Four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this continent a new nation. Do you know the impact that those words have on your life today? I would venture to say probably not. But you can say the words. You see, sometimes we get very familiar with words. Sometimes we can even repeat words without understanding why they were said, when they were said, who they were meant for, and what is the impact that those words can have on my life today. That's the way it is, I believe, with what many people call the Lord's Prayer. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew Chapter 6. We're going to begin and we're going to just survey this personal prayer guide given to us by Jesus. After we look at this personal prayer guide, I'm going to ask you and invite you to join with me one more time. We, now we have three more days of the days of all that we're reading Bible chapters together. Some of you have asked, well, listen, what are we going to do at the end of that? Can, I, can, can we have more? Yes, there will be more put up there so you can continue to read along with me in my daily Bible reading, okay? And I will read along with you, and we will post it on, on, on our website so that you can keep up if you want to get up and read the same thing I'm reading. And, uh, you know, uh, but when we get finished talking about prayer here, this model prayer, this personal prayer guide, I'm going to invite you to join with me beginning in the morning for 21 days of praying according to this prayer. It will only take a few minutes. I mean, how long does it take you to recite that prayer? How long does it take you to say our father? So just consider right now, if for the next 21 days, if I could, could in, invite you would you be willing in your morning time to pray according to the prayer guide, the personal prayer guide Jesus left us? He couldn't get much more plain. He said it twice. After this manner, you pray like this. And when you say, when you pray, you say this. Okay? Now, this particular model prayer will become more evident in just a moment. But first, let's read it. Matthew chapter 6, reading from the New King James Version, verse 9. In, or, in this manner, therefore... Now remember, Jesus is doing his best to help people take charge of their life and change their life so that they can be more like God. He's wanting them to have a better life. He's wanting them to miss the hell of this life 
It only takes getting born again to miss eternity in hell, but it takes changing our life and being charge of our life to miss the hell of this life. And so Jesus is trying to help them miss the hell of this life. And he says, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to take a look at this model prayer, which many people refer to as the Lord's Prayer. It is a personal prayer guide. It includes three proclamations, three petitions, and a personal time of praise. And these things are very important. Jesus wanted us to guide our prayers by this model, by this example. It could not be more plain. No one that I'm aware of denies that Jesus intended to shape our prayer time. He intended for us to follow this example that he is giving. These proclamations, these petitions, this personal time of praise are important elements as far as Jesus is concerned. So let me offer to you first the proclamations. You may notice if you recite that prayer in your head, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You may notice a pattern there if you've ever peered into it, if you've ever studied it. And it begins with three proclamations that we should be making every morning. You see, every day we need to realize that we should be putting God first. We should be putting God's needs first. And these are the proclamations that prayer should begin with. The priority of our prayer, the posture of our prayer, the passion of our prayer should be aimed at God's needs and not primarily at our needs. This is what Jesus was trying to give them. He said, when you pray, pray after this manner. Pray your name, your kingdom, your will. That should be our first priority. The first priority of every person's prayer should be God's needs, not our own. The first priority of prayer is designed to move us, not move God. We should be experiencing something in prayer that changes our life. Prayer should not be aimed at trying to change God. For too long, people have done, you know, done prayer as though that it was something from a brat kid to a, to a father that had to be coerced into helping us. He doesn't. He loves us. But let me tell you, there's something going on in heaven right now. It's around the throne of God. There is worship and there's adoration going on in heaven right now. There, 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 there's such, a, such a, 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 a spirit of worship and love and peace, and joy, and angels, and all kinds of creatures of God, creations, are worshiping him around the throne. And then, one of his kids, who's always welcome in his presence, kicks open the throne room door and runs in and screams, I gotta have my electricity paid. That's not the way we approach the throne of God. 
We should approach prayer realizing that something amazing is happening around the throne of God right now. And when we go to prayer, we need to make sure that our priority is him and his needs and his desires. He'll get to our needs in just a moment. But in reality, prayer is designed first to move us, not to move God. Our prayer is God's hope that we would actually understand and participate in his plan as a first priority. Jesus shows the proper posture of prayer. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of recognizing who he is. You see, he is almighty God and his will is, is more important than ours. Your name, your kingdom, your will, O oh God. I'm asking you, when you begin praying with me in the morning, to pray this way, with a priority, with a posture, with a passion, understanding that prayer, first and foremost, should be about God's needs. You say, what, God needs? Yes, God has needs. And we first should be worshiping him, acknowledging him, reverencing him with our prayers. Remember, prayer like faith is less about what we can get God to do for us and more about what God can get us to do for him. Prayer should be changing us. And Jesus knew that. Jesus was never trying to get us to change God. Prayer is our opportunity to come before a holy God. He lets us in to his throne room. He welcomes us into his presence. And as we offer a posture of humility and reverence to him, let me tell you what he'll do. When we make it about his name, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All of a sudden you find God like a good father who a child has just come into the room and telling daddy how much that, that the child is telling daddy how much I love you. What a good daddy you are. What can I do for you, daddy? What can I do for you? Do you need me to do anything for you today, daddy? You know what happens? The daddy says, come here. Come here. Crawl up in my lap. What do you need? You'll find God asking you, what can he do for you? After we lift our proclamations to him and make our prayer about him and establish our posture of humility, it's important as well that we offer our petitions. The three petitions are very plain from this model prayer. You've read them. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know what our three petitions are? Give us, forgive us, lead us. This is very easy to remember. But the implication of this model prayer, even though it is rehearsed by people lost and saved all over the world, and even in every tragedy, in every moment, every circumstance, I tell you, I have, I have been on airplanes and felt, you know, the, 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 uh, the, 
the plane shaking and the turbulence and the turbulence get kind of bad and somebody across over there who just had, you know, um, uh, three martinis and, and, you know, has been watching porn on the TV starts going, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. You know that. That's the truth. Without any conscious connection of what those words really mean and the impact they could have on a life if we would approach God and realizing that our prayer is about what you need, God. Our prayer first is your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, God, in earth as it is in heaven. And now, Lord, give us. Forgive us. Lead us. Give us, give us what? <laughs> give us, oh Lord, what we need, Lord, what we want, Lord. It's important that we come before God and we simply tell God what we want and what we need. That's important. God wants to know. The Bible says he knows what you have need of before you ask, but he said, ask and receive that your joy might be full. And you will find from tomorrow's Bible reading in James chapter 4 the reason why you do not have whenever you ask, okay? He said, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you're not asking in the right way. Let me tell you the right way. Your name, your kingdom, your will, God, is above mine. And Lord, give us, Lord, what we need today, our daily bread. And God, forgive us. Let me encourage you to find a private place to pray. I have a private place to pray. You need a private place to pray. Pray. Play. You need a private place to pray. Why? Because if you can't get honest with God about your sin, your frustration, your fears, and your failures, then you're going to fall short in prayer. I have a private place that I go to to pray because I need to talk to God about some of you. And I don't want anybody else to hear it. I need to talk to God about some failures, some fears, some frustrations. I need to talk to God about some sins. I need to talk to God about some temptations. I need to talk to God about some hurts, some disappointments, some betrayals. I need to talk to God about things that I'm hoping that I dare not share with anyone else. I need to talk to God in a place where I can say, forgive us, God, of our sins, Lord. And I must remember that it will be predicated and dependent upon me forgiving others where they have sinned against me. I need a private place to do that. God knows all about it. He knows your sins. He knows your temptation. He knows your failures. He knows your frustration. He knows your fears. He knows your worries. He knows it anyway. It will change your life to talk to him about it. It will change your life to find a place of prayer where you can lift up his name and let him know that it's his name and that it's his kingdom, not your kingdom. You're building an eternity with him and it is his will above your will that you're submitted to him and that you desire him to give you daily bread and also that you need his forgiveness for my sins and name those sins before him. 
It'll change your life. It'll help you to take charge and change. And don't forget also to pray for others who need to forgive you. Forgive us and then lead us. Lead us. Lead us not into temptation, Lord. Deliver us from the evil one. You see, the prayer for leadership, this should go without saying. But it, it would be unreasonable to ask God to lead you out of the grasp, out of the temptation of the devil, if you were not also willing to follow that leadership. It would be unreasonable to ask God to help you do something that you're not willing to participate in. And when you begin to pray, lead me, O Lord, and deliver me, God, God will begin to give you opportunity and open doors and encouragement. Take those. Don't just wait on God to pick you up off the top of that house. If he sends a boat, get in it. God knows what we need before we ask. The conclusion is simply this, that our prayer should end as it begins with a personal time of praise. Praise and adoration for yours is the kingdom. It began with your name, your kingdom, your will. It ends with your kingdom. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. You see, there's nothing sweeter to a father than the praise of his children. Don't forget to end your prayer with praise. It's very simple. It'll take a few minutes. Join me over the next 21 days and just remember the Lord's prayer in your mind. Just remember, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's about your name, God. I want to lift your name up. Revered be your name, Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, God. Now, Lord, give us our daily bread, God. Lord, give me what I need, Lord. And then begin to tell him what you want and what you need. Just tell him. That's what Philippians 4, 6 says. Just tell God what you want. And then you begin to ask him to forgive you and just be honest with him. Get in a place where you can be honest with him. Just talk to him. First few times you do it, it'll be embarrassing. Talk to him about it anyway. He knows it. And then ask him for his leadership. How to get you out of the things you don't need to be in. He will. And then praise his name. Unless your daddy is also my daddy... Unless your father is also my father, I'm talking about God. Unless your father is my father, then my daddy can whoop your daddy. My daddy's bigger, he's better, he's stronger than anybody else's daddy. He's my father, God. And I want God to know I'm proud of him. Your kingdom. It's your power and it's your glory forever and ever. I'm going to tell God that I'm so happy, that I'm so glad, I'm so proud, and I feel so safe just to be his child. I loved it when my kids thought I was strong. Come on, daddies, didn't you like that? 
They'd get up in your lap and you go, oh, and they'd go, wow. You know, you could pick them up. Oh, isn't it great to have a daddy who, who, who can just beat up anybody else? Isn't that great? You like that, don't you? Yeah, we like that. Yeah. Well, I have a heavenly father that's tougher than anybody else. And I want him to know that I'm proud of him. That I, he's my daddy. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, end your prayer by telling your heavenly father that you think he's somebody. And that you're proud and you feel safe and you're glad to be in his family. Amen? All right, I conclude just by telling you that God wants to give you peace and if you will give your mind to him, he will. God wants to give you hope and if you'll turn your situation over to him, he will. And God wants to love others through you and if you will offer him your heart, he will. He will. Will you? Well, if you will, you're going to need to let him know.